Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. In the name of Jesus. All right, let's, let's pray. Let's get into the Word this morning. Father, thank you because I am anointed to teach your Word. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive and together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Uh, we started a conversation on Wednesday about to be a disciple. And uh, the Lord has been dealing with us where the basics are concerned. And we said all through this period... We've been using one quote. And what's that quote? Champions are what? Masters of what? Of the basics. Champions are masters of the basics. Now, we, we want to look at this, right? The goal of Christianity. What's, what's the goal of Christianity? What's the, what's the goal of Christianity? Uh, everybody who is a child of God There is actually one goal for every one of us So let's go to Romans chapter 8 and verse 29 Let's start from there Romans chapter 8 and verse 29 Thank you Lord Jesus Romans eight twenty-nine. It says For those whom he foreknew he also predestined, pre is before, destined, to become conformed to the image of his son. So that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. You've got to pay attention to that. Very important. It says that those, if on you, talking about us. He predestined us to become conformed to the image of His Son. That means, God's goal for us is that we become like Christ 100%. We have to conform to that image. That image is the ultimate goal of Christianity. And it says, so that... He would be the firstborn among many brethren. So, Jesus is not only our master. Jesus is the firstborn in the family. And we ought to have him as an example. Glory to God. You see, when we read about Jesus in the Gospels, we see how we should operate. We see ourselves in Jesus. We see him in us. And, and that gives us a standard. Remember, I said this on Wednesday, if you paid attention. Please make sure you get the Wednesday message. Very important. And it's free. All you need to have to have the Wednesday message is a desire. <laughs> That's the price you need to pay. But look at this. Many times, we think that when we compare ourselves to someone else in church who is not very serious, we think we're doing okay. Right? So you look at that sister. Say, you know what? Ah, I'm not that bad. That we go to the same church. But at least I am trying. That I am trying to you 
is a backsliding state in the measurement of God. You shouldn't even compare yourself to me. I'm not your standard. Praise God. Jesus is. So anytime you compare yourself, compare yourself to what the Lord requires of you. Because every time you look at your neighbor to compare yourself in the church, you are always better than someone. And so you would look like you are serious. But your seriousness is actually failure when it comes to uh, comparing yourself with what God wants you to compare yourself with. Are you following what I'm saying? It's like your child comes from school and say, uh, how's your result? He say, well, daddy, my result is not too bad. He say, what did you get? He say, well, I, I got 25 out of, uh, we're 27 people in, in class and I'm 25. And he say, uh, but why did you have 25? He say, but at least I'm better than those who came out with 26 and 27. Does he have a point? Yes, he does have a point. But where he's looking at is a direction of failure. If he compares himself with the one who is first, he will see that he's backward. If he compares the one who is 26 and 27, he will think that he's not doing bad. How many of you would like your child to compare himself to the 27th guy? Praise God. So in Christianity, we don't compare ourselves with one another. We compare ourselves with the firstborn among many brethren. Who is that? Jesus. Because the goal is that we all be confirmed to the image of the Son. Now, follow this carefully. You would remember that in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, the ultimate aim of God was creating a man in his image. And that man couldn't meet up the image of God. So Jesus was sent to help us by the Holy Spirit to be able to come to that place where we can be conformed to his image so that that original intention of God is still accomplished. And this has to do with our character. So the gospel did not come to make us feel good. The gospel is not just about how good we feel. Praise God. The gospel came to save us from our human nature and to radically alter our choices. That's why the gospel came. To save us from our human nature and to radically alter our choices. That when a man receives the gospel, his choices are altered. Glory to God. Come on, are you still here? God's demand. What did God tell us? Go to Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19. Let's see this here. Thank you, Father. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19. You know, <laughs> there are certain words that we must become very accustomed to in the Bible that the Lord uses all the time. And uh, we must endeavor to examine these things and spend time meditating on them. You know, Christianity is not just that you have a form. They now feel, what's religion? You now put Christianity. Christianity is not, let me, let me explain something to you. It's not, uh, you know, m many people are in several clubs. Okay? Uh, some people are in rotary clubs. Some people are in, uh, uh, you know, Oro's club, you know, uh, Potakot uh, boys club, you know, uh, uh, old people who don't want to get old club. You know, people are in several clubs. So, uh, some people also feel, well, uh, Christianity. So, on Sunday, if you don't go to church, then you say, oh, you know, people are, will start harassing you. So, that's not what Christianity is. Are, are you hearing this? 
You can actually be in church and not be born again. We, we need to be clear on that. Are you, are you following this? Yeah, you can, actually, you can actually be in this church and not be born again. So it's not like you're in another church. That's the truth. Because some people go to church to ease their conscience. As a way of pleasing God. And then as a way of stopping themselves from the harassment of the pastor. Especially when you have a pastor who chases you all the time. But Christianity actually, let me say this now, is, some, is a life that even without the church ought to function 100%. Let's assume that there is persecution and there is no church. We shouldn't find you five years later struggling with the faith. Because in as much as the local church is designed for all of us to come together and to grow, the faith is also designed for people to be able to be on their own and still be effective. Are, are you following that? Especially where the local church cannot meet. Like we had during the pandemic. You know, some people came back and it was like they restarted their life because they have forgotten everything. It's not supposed to be so. Because the natural disasters and things can happen that makes gathering together impossible. But your life should still be at the same level whether you were gathered or not. Are you following this now? So, let's look at Matthew 28 verse 19. Let's see this now. It says, Go therefore, Jesus was speaking. It says, Go therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. So, Jesus, uh, his command to us is not that we should go and make Christians. And I, will, and I will show you from the scripture why they were called Christians. He says, when you go to the nations, make disciples of them. So, the goal is, and that's where we began to miss it a bit. We just focused on getting people born again and getting the crowds. We, we actually began to lose a taste of discipleship. So people are not grounded in the word. People are not discipled. God's goal is, is, is that everyone would be a disciple. Now, the, the, the Hebrew concept of discipleship is very simple. It's the word mathetis in the, in the Hebrew. And it means a pupil or a learner. What happened is that had a rabbi who was a teacher and then his disciples followed him so you know john had his disciples the pharisees had their disciples jesus had their disciples you remember when the disciples of jesus came to him and says teach us to pray just as john taught his disciples to pray then the pharisees came and says your disciples do not do this now it means that when you are submitted to jesus for instance as a rabbi you imbibe his teachings not only his teachings but his lifestyle so that when a man sees you, by your attitude, he can say, Oh, you are a disciple of John the Baptist, or you are a disciple of, uh, of Jesus. Are you, are you following this now? So that's what discipleship is. To be a disciple is to be a learner. Now the Bible says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now when we talk about baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, most people feel it's about dipping people in water. 
This is way bigger than this. And what Jesus was practically saying here was that they should be immersed in the nature because the name in the Hebrew speaks of the nature. Immerse them in the nature of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because a man is still saved even if he's not baptized in water. Somebody say, oh, pastor. No. Go read Corinthians. What did, <coughs> what did Paul write about Moses? He says, all our fathers in the wilderness were baptized into Moses. How were they baptized into Moses? They were immersed in the teachings of Moses and the Ten Commandments. So anybody who you imbibe his teachings, you are being baptized by that person. Are you following what I'm saying? Let's leave that. But just take it that way. Make disciples of all nations. Praise God. God wants us to make disciples. Now, we ought to be disciples first before we can make disciples. Because he was referring to his disciples. You remember when Jesus came, the first thing he did, he got 12 people and discipled them. And those 12 people were the people who passed on Christianity to us. You know, that's the secret of of Christianity. How is Christianity perpetuated from one generation to another? Through discipleship. Through discipleship. Because a man who is not properly discipled, or who is not a disciple of Jesus, he will fall away when the tribulations of life comes. You know, I was reading something today, I just pray I get into it. You know, when we want to share testimony, I will say, we, you know, we overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Oh, yeah, sister, share your testimony. Praise the Lord. You know, I bought three shoes. One was red, but I said, no, my God is not a liar. And I added black. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, that's, 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 actually, that's an abuse of that scripture. Because way, way more than that. Way, way, way more than that. He was talking about people who actually gave their lives. Because the very next line after that says, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they loved not their life unto death. We don't read that. I don't know why we skip verses. It's, it's alarming. It's in the same verse. It's in the same verse. And somebody teaches that and say, when you testify, you overcome the devil. Have you even heard people say, if you don't testify what God has done for you, you will lose it? That's, that's absolute rubbish. Because there are people Jesus healed and he says, tell no one. So Jesus said, don't testify. Yeah, I'll tell you the truth. Sometimes God will do things in your life that people cannot handle the testimony. The safest thing for you and others is to keep quiet. That's for you to be safe. And for others' faith not to... You know, you can hear some testimonies. Your faith will fail you. No, I'm telling you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You just hear some testimonies. and say, what is, what is wrong with my life? Are, are these not people... That testimony has caused a stumbling block in the heart of someone. They just keep quiet. I'm telling you the truth. Alright. <laughs> but I'll tell you this. There's no testimony that you don't share that you will lose. Sharing your testimony is your personal prerogative. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There's nowhere in the Bible where it is said that if you don't share your testimony, you will lose it. It's been eight years in this ministry. We've received maybe only one or two testimonies. Have you lost anything you got in the last eight years? Because I can choose that you should not share your testimony. It's my choice. You won't lose it. <laughs> Rather, you even keep it and more will come. Because there are certain things God wants to do in your life that He wants you to keep to yourself. Not everybody can handle your increase. 
Not everybody can handle your prosperity. You know, sometimes you share some testimonies and some people just feel that they are not, they are not even near there. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Glory to God. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Go, go to Acts chapter 11. Acts eleven twenty six. <laughs> you know, sometimes they say, Oh, but God is going to give you a captivity turning around testimony. If you read that scripture carefully, you know what he said? He says, The Lord turned our captivity and we're like them that dreamt. Now look at the verse. Look at what the scripture says. It says, Then the heathen said, The Lord has done great things for them. And we said. That means the first people that shared the captivity turning around testimonies was the unbelievers. It wasn't the believers who went and said, God has turned our captivity. He said, no, no, no. He said, he didn't say, God has been good to them. And we confirmed, yeah, he's really been good. Because there are some testimonies that God will do in your life. You don't need to share them. It will be so evident that the goodness of God is in your life. Praise God. Hallelujah. Acts eleven twenty six. I'm not against sharing testimonies. I'm just putting things in perspective where that scripture is concerned. Okay? If you want people to share their testimony, just say, you know what, brethren, if God has been good to you, come and share. Don't use the Bible verse that's not meant for something to mean something. That's how the devil tempted Jesus. The devil, every, see, all the temptation of Jesus were scriptures that were quoted out of context. That's why it's better people are not aware at all than they are taught wrong doctrine. It will take years to unlearn wrong doctrine. Praise God. Go to Acts 11.26. And these are are discipleship stuff, I'm telling you now. Because a disciple has to be a learned person. You have to learn. If this book was handed over to us by our master, then we have a responsibility to learn what the book says, not what we want it to say. There There is an aim. There is a purpose, there is a reason, there is a context for the scriptures. And we have to be diligent to learn it. We have to be diligent to look into it and see what it is saying. And read the passages we don't even like. Because you cannot become proficient in your field of study if you like all the subjects. Even if you ask some medical doctors, they'll tell you a particular subject they don't like. All of us have had one subject in class we did not like. But we had to pass it to be able to graduate. Am I right? It's the same thing. There are scriptures we don't like. You know, right? All of us have scriptures we don't like. We know it's the truth, but we don't really like it. That's where the test of discipleship comes. So Acts eleven twenty six. Let's look at this. And, talking about Saul in verse 25. And he left for Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him... <laughs> He brought him to Antioch. And for an entire year, they met with the church and taught considerable numbers. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Now, I want you to look at the order. It wasn't the Christians that were called disciples. They were disciples first. And then they were called what? Christians. Look at that order. Right? It means that the word Christian or Christianity came as a result of the fact that they observed them as disciples of Jesus. Are you following this now? It didn't say Christians who were disciples. No, it says 
they, the disciples, the first place they called them Christians was at Antioch. So actually, listen carefully to this. Listen carefully to this. Actually, God didn't call us Christians. Think deeply on that. Actually, it was unbelievers who started calling the disciples Christians. The scriptural reference to all of us seated here, two things, disciples and saints. That's what the scripture calls us. It was actually people who were observing our lifestyle that started calling us Christians. That means the word Christian was derived from the observation of the behavior of the disciples. Are, are you following this now? Okay. So then, what is a disciple? Or what makes a disciple? Or what constitutes discipleship? Uh, I was looking at the scripture today, uh, yesterday. I've taught it I've taught it the way I want to mention it now but that was taking it to teach something but the context of it was actually discipleship Luke chapter 14 I know we've all held it how many of you have read that scripture um, which of you want to build a tower huh I've taught it that way you can have which of you want to build a tower will not first sit down and count the cost then when we teach that I've also done that but when we teach that, we, we extract that verse and use it to teach goal setting. Yeah? And the reason we can use it to teach goal setting is because we pulled it out of its context. In its context, it's actually talking about the cost of discipleship. Okay, let's read. Luke 14. Let's start reading... From verse 25. Right? Verse 25. You know, the Lord spoke to me a few months ago. He said, uh, he said this right in my spirit. He said, if we want to become students of the word, we must learn to be patient in learning the word. And, and the Lord began to deal with me where that is concerned also. About my teaching ministry. You know, sometimes we, we want to because sometimes we want to also hurriedly get to a point we actually don't spend time reading the context of the scriptures right because you're in a hurry actually now let's look at this now when they gathered in the synagogue and in the in the temples right the, the synagogue and the temple are just two different way of expressing where they met especially after they came back from exile when they came back from exile, some of the Jews felt that the other Jews were mixed breeds, so they didn't allow them to the synagogue because they married from other nations. So they had to start meeting in the temple. So sometimes you see Jesus meeting in the synagogue and the temple. Now, when they met in the synagogue and the temple, one of the first criteria, one of the things they did in the synagogue and the temple was the reading of scriptures. And when they were talking about reading of scriptures, that's when Jesus was reading the scripture and he found a place in, in Isaiah that spoke about him. What they would just do is someone would come and read scriptures. Read scriptures. Read the Psalms. Maybe ten chapters of the Psalms. And people are paying attention. Just reading scriptures. Because the word of God is already anointed. You know, the Anglicans have that, uh, they have that, uh, that culture. The Orthodox churches have it. 
charismatic, we felt is a waste of time. So we replace reading of scriptures with testimony time. Alright? Or we replace it with special number. That's why now I hear someone say, I just want to sing to my God. Don't mind my voice. Just listen to the song. No, we mind both. Because the song, we are going to hear it through your voice. Okay? But what I'm trying to say is that sometimes we replace some of these very scriptural practices with modern practices because we wanted things to go quickly. And so, uh, we, we now began to develop a place where a sermon is just picked from a verse of scripture and the rest of it is out of context. And, you, and, and, and at the end of the day, you say, man, this, this thing is deep. Oof. Ah, this revelation. No, no. Nothing is meant to be deep anymore. The mystery that was hidden in the time past is now being revealed. You are not supposed to be wowed by the preacher. The preacher is supposed to give you understanding. That when you leave, you now say, oh, I understand what he said. It's not like, wow, my God. Why did God just blow our minds? No. Your mind is not supposed to be blown. You are supposed to be taught... So that when you leave church, you can teach someone else. That's the concept of Christianity. The concept of Christianity is not superstars. It is believers learning the instructions of their master. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, I remember when we started church, and I was doing some travels, and uh, people asked me, so who's going to teach? Are you going to bring a guest minister to church? I'm like, no, I'm not going to bring. I mean, there are people in church. All they need to do is teach what I've taught before. That's, I mean, that's how it's built. Because if I've been teaching you for eight years and I need to travel and I need to bring someone else to teach you, then I'm not, I'm not effective. Praise God. Are you still here? Let's look at this. Verse 25. Luke, 11, Luke 14, 25. Now large crowds were going along with him. And he turned and said to them, he was turning and saying, saying to the crowd, so follow the context, read it carefully. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life. What's the next line? I didn't hear that. What's the next line? Did you see the criteria here? Let's read it again. If anyone comes to me, you are saved, and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. The word hate there means to love less. What that means is that as compared to me, his love for these people should be less. And I like the way Jesus ended it because if Jesus had just said father, mother, brother, sister, children, then he now comes to your own life and says, you know what? You should love your own life less as compared to obedience to him. Because the greatest issue to discipleship is all these relationships. The greatest issue to obedience is is these relationships. If you see God help us. If you see what people are pursuing to give family a good life, the reason people, you know, you, there are people who are stealing today because they want to secure the future of their children. They are stealing, they are thieves. 
Changing figures. There are people who don't have time for God anymore. What do they want? My children. My children. And then some, it's their life. It, 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 this thing suits me. This thing is convenient for me. Uh, uh, my life, my comfort. And that's why they can't serve God. And Jesus says, listen, you cannot be a disciple. You cannot, cannot. C-A-N-N-O-T. You cannot. I don't care your confession. I don't care the church you go to. I don't care who is your pastor. If you don't love these things less, you cannot be my disciple. That's the words of Jesus. What is the number one stumbling block to our pursuit of God? This is our life. What to eat, what to drink, what to wear. That's it. That's it. Why, why are people struggling to serve God? It's this life. It's this life. Nothing else. So there is a degree of hatred you need to have, which is loving less, that will enable you to serve God. Why do some people not answer the call to ministry? What to eat, what to drink, what to wear? Huh? I want to go, let me gather some money so that when I launch out, as I just launch out like this, it's been 14 years they've been gathering, they have not launched out. You can't save money for God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, if you don't understand this thing, you can, you can get married and you, instead of becoming more of a disciple of Jesus, you will not be preoccupied with matters of this life. Just matters of this life. <laughs> okay. Anyone comes to me and does not hate his own is an act of your will. Father, mother, wife, and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Let's go on. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. What is the cross? The cross is the symbol of death. The cross, now listen, follow me carefully now. The cross is where Jesus was sent to, even though he didn't want to go. Quick, because we know that in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, if, if it is my will, let this cup pass away. But not my will, but your will be done. So that tells us what the cross means. The cross is a place where the will of man is subjected to the will of God. Are you, are you following this now? So, what that means when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, he's essentially saying, listen, if you don't decide to drop your will for my will, you cannot follow me. Because what actually prevents us from full discipleship is the issue of our will. So, you want this, and God is telling you this. Let's say, for instance, now, somebody offends you. Right? Your will is to show them that you are not somebody they should play with. That's your will. But God now starts speaking to you about walking in love. Now that's where discipleship will now come. If you are a disciple of Jesus, you follow the instructions of the Holy Spirit. But you have not, if you are not a disciple, you say, you know what? Christianity is not stupidity. To keep quiet does not mean I'm foolish. You, you, you see that you are no longer quoting scriptures. Do you realize that? No, do you realize that? That you have left the world. You have entered the world. Because what you are trying to do right now is to justify your anger. 
is to justify your attitude. Is to justify. The Bible scriptures say, out of the abundance of man's heart, the mouth speaketh. So, all the things you've read, all the things, you will not, and then you begin to plot strategy. What's happening right now? You're missing the cross. Because the cross is the path of death. You don't want to die to self. You don't want people to look at you as stupid and foolish and take advantage of you. Are we still together in church this morning? Then you will now hear people say, go and ask my classmates. Go and ask my classmates. You don't know me before. Now, now what's happening is that the old man is rising. There's a resurrection of the old man. (laughs) And in, in, in your heart of heart, you prefer the old man to the new man. Because this new man looks weak. But the Bible says, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Not just in your sin. Because when we talk about strength is made perfect in weakness, we always look at it like sin. No. In that weak state, in the foolishness of the gospel is the power of God. In the weak things in this world, that meekness, that weakness, that patience, that love, that long-suffering, that faithfulness, that looks like weak virtues to the world, that's where the strength of God is made perfect. Are you hearing this? You know, if you walk in love, you look very weak. Even some people will say, don't worry, let me take this battle for you. Don't, don't, just, just stay there. Just give me permission. I will handle... <laughs> you know David, his people told him, says, listen, leave suffer for us. We'll kill him. Let his blood be on our hands. And David says, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. And Saul died. David wept. Listen, David wept that Saul died. He also almost think we are better than David. This is not an enemy. You are not spraying bullets that anywhere my enemies are. You know that this one is your enemy. If the whole nation knew, even his son knows that he's, he's your enemy. This is a guy that tried to kill David many times, spared him, pinned him to the wall. So he was a known visible enemy. David had the opportunity to kill him. And David did not kill him. It's not even today. Literal killing, not fire. Now that oh fire burns some assault and die. No. That is God, you will not require the fire of God. You have a sword. You can do this thing and know God, don't worry. Don't just let me handle this battle. David walked away. Right? And then David heard that that man had died. And he says, publish not in Ascalon. And he wept that Saul and Jonathan died. Today's world. No, we need to compare ourselves with the scriptures. Today's world, what's going to happen? Praise the Lord. God gave me opportunity, I said, I will not do it. But God, my God who never sleeps, the man is dead. Not only him, he and his son. And you hear people begin to sow. I tap into that grace. I mean, we laugh about these things, but it is, it is, it is, it is actually, I don't know how to put it, but it's, it's offensive. How we got to this point. And you know why we got to this point? Self. When that man dies, it proves that we are powerful. It proves that we are the only one God loves. So, People's death, so we can get a car 
is more important than their souls going to hell. You know, we don't even want some people to be born again. We want them to die in their sins. So God will punish them. So that they will know that they cannot try us. Have you heard that? My anointing is very corrosive. If you try me, you will die. And yet Jesus hung on the cross and says, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. Stephen followed the same path. We're talking about going back to basics. We're just examining the basis of Christianity again. Let's just check this thing out. <laughs> Let's read again. 25. The last crowds were coming along with him. And he turned aside and said to them, that means the crowds do not equal disciples. We need to pay attention to that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The crowds do not equal discipleship. Have you heard people say, there are many Christians in Nigeria. Why is corruption not going down? No, there are many crowds following Jesus, few disciples. Hmm? Some of them, you know, they were writing exams. Right? And people discovered that the subject was difficult. And tongue-talking believers, righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, started pulling out his book. Yeah. Yeah. You know, nowadays, sometimes people come and say, I had so-so-so and so number of credits. You know the next question I asked? Hmm? Did you write it or they wrote it for you? Do you know that a believer, listen to me, a believer who is a child of God, instead of using Expo to pass exam, you should fail that exam. That's where a disciple is. It's not that I will use Expo, then I'll come and confess. That's why people live in fornication. Because they, they uh, will confess, we'll bribe God, we'll confess. We'll bribe. After a while, no, see, let's just do six, six times. We'll confess at the seventh time. Before you know, you, are not, you, you don't feel remorse anymore. Your conscience is deadened. There were people, listen to this carefully, there were people who got born again, right? There were people who got born again. And what happened? They, they didn't write, I mean, of course, that was really extreme. They didn't write their wayek they used in getting into school. Some of them dropped out and went back to write to start school again. It looked foolish, but those people actually knew what the cost of discipleship is. We have to, we have to examine this. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The last crowds were going along with him. Look for him. And he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciples. Why is some of the reason people cannot answer the call to ministry? Father and mother. What would my father say? What would my mother say? Even as a pastor's child, when I wanted to go into full-time ministry, you know, my dad said, no, you can't go into I know God has called you, but you are my first son. Hmm? Just, just walk, walk a bit. And I knew I was called into full-time. So I told him very clearly. I said, I mean, you know what? I, I respect you. But if you don't allow me to go into full-time ministry, in this ministry, I'll have to go and join another ministry to go full-time. Because I know that's what God wants me to do. He said, okay, instead of you going to another ministry, you, you'll be here. I'm not here because my father started a church. That's not so, too it. That's it. I'm not being groomed as a hair to take over. It's not business. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Like, when your father die, you just take over the ministry. <laughs> what does that mean? 
And you know why? Because I was convinced that's what God wanted in my life. Because without conviction, you can't be a disciple. I remember one of my auntie says, You've always wanted to be a lecturer. Okay, come to this. You know, there was a polytechnic there. Come to Zora Polytechnic. Come to the polytechnic. We'll give you a job. Then you can be doing ministry. And be, I said, No, God wants me to go full time. He said, Are people, if those lecturers there who are preaching, are they not, is it not the same God they are serving? I said, It's the same God, but it's not the same requirement. Every department has its requirements. My own department requires that I go full time. One of my uncles called me, was a House of Assembly member in Bayasa. Called me. Say this one, you have decided to do this thing with your life. I don't want to hear you call me any day for anything. So I said, but I've not called you before. <laughs> he said, yes, I'm just telling you, because this part you have chosen. We know God has called you. But look at you. And people say, I don't want to be in ministry, because I don't want to depend on people's offering. God has decided that the pathway of ministry is to depend on offering. <laughs> that is how God has decided it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That you live by what the people you are blessing gives to you. You have to hate your own life. That pride of, eh, they will not come and begin. No, yes, that is it. He that preaches the gospel should live by the gospel. I mean, you shouldn't harass people, but that is the ordination. So you don't stand in the pulpit and say, what do you think? Is it because it's more money you are giving to me? Yes, it's the small money. That is discipleship. That is what God has called you to do. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Is it convenient for your flesh? No. Are there times you feel like you should just get a job so you are well paid, so you can take care? Yes, but that's not the part. So the concept of discipleship is not what is convenient for your life. It is what the master wants. So when you ought to respond in hate, the master tells you, no, we walk in love. And then as a disciple, come on, you understand what I'm saying? The way of the cross, you die to him. Oh, you want to do this? Oh God, can I share these stories with you? I remember one time, we were planning, you know, sometimes you get onto these investment things, and I was doing this investment, this investment, I would raise some money. And then I was thinking, what investment can I do next? And the Lord says, so, so that money out. I'm like, no God, this is, you don't understand investment, God. This thing... <laughs> This thing is for my boys' school. And God says, let it go. And the Lord said, you know what? Your confidence is beginning to trust in how much you can generate for your future. How did you get here? And I remembered how the Lord had provided for us all. We had to let that go. Because you know what? At that point, my heart was beginning to be transferred to like, you know what, God? You've taken care of me enough. From now, I understand strategic investments. The path of discipleship, I'm not saying you shouldn't invest. The path of discipleship is the path of absolute trust in what God is speaking to you about. Are you still here? Are you learning anything this morning? Alright, church is very quiet. Right on, pastor. Preach. 27. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Observe the words Jesus always used. He says, cannot. Cannot. So these are not optional. If you want to be, you have to go this way. Then he says, For which of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who observe it begin to ridicule him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, when he sent out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he has strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000? 
or else, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. Now, look at this. You know, we pick this place alone and teach it. But before this place, that's what I'm going to teach in the growth class today about basic Bible interpretation. Before this place, Jesus talks about discipleship. Now, look at immediately afterwards. Look at what Jesus says. So then, so then, now, if I am, if, if I am uh, given a story and I say, so then, what does that mean? I'm building from the story I just gave. Am I right? Okay, so it says, so then, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. Because at this time, the disciples were required to travel with him. So, what that means essentially is that discipleship is giving up something. It's giving up your own life, it's giving up your own preferences, it's giving up your own desire for the desire of the master. Let me give you an example. You know the rich young ruler. He came to Jesus. He says, what will I do to inherit entire life? Jesus said, keep all the commandments. He said, I've done that. Bam. Solid Christian. Guys in church. Now Jesus begins to tell him the terms of discipleship. And says, go say what you have and come follow me. The Bible says the man went away sad for he had many possessions. So, hey, pause. Follow this. You can use God to get everything you want and still not be a disciple. He kept all the commandments. He got rich. Right? You can use God to protect yourself. You can use God to give. You can use God to do a lot of things. And God will prosper you. You keep all the laws. You know all the things. You sow and reap. And you know you know all this stuff. I mean, God can prosper you. But then when God begins to pull your heart in terms of discipleship, that's where you start negotiating with God. Hello? How many of us have had this experience when you don't have anything, right? I say, oh God... Oh God, if you prosper me, I will give to your kingdom. <laughs> and the Lord prospers you. And then after four years, the Lord starts asking, yeah, we need to get something done in the kingdom. And I say, God, you know what? I paid my tithes. 10% is my part of agreement with you. Because I know, but you said you were going to prosper, form the kingdom. Then you now hit a new revelation. Tithes is not in the Old Testament. It's New Testament. Oh, you have a grace. It's give as you want. My life belongs to you. What is 10%? Check your banking records. Where's your highest giving? You know, there was a story about the guy who wanted to be baptized. <laughs> Just got born again. And then he wanted to baptize him in this baptismal pool. And then he took out his wallet. <laughs> Put it aside. And the pastor said, No, we need to baptize your wallet together because everything you have belongs to God. You know, just a story. But you understand that? That when you come to this place of discipleship, even your own money doesn't belong to you. You are now a steward. Praise God. That's, that's another level. Let's just deal with this basic one first. Therefore, still the same story. Salt is good, but even salt has become tasteless. If even salt has become tasteless, with what will it be seasoned? That means to be a Christian is good. But when you're not a disciple, you are a salt that has no taste. What does that mean? You cannot change anything. You blend. You are white, purified, righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But you can't change your society. You can't change anybody's life. You are like them. You walk into a place, it's the same thing. 
You know Christians like that? They go into a club, they will turn to club people. Eh? They go to funeral. They are serving everything. They will partake. Then they come to church. I give myself away. So, I mean, if you check them, you can see them in four or five different places. Very inconsistent places. And what is discipleship? That you have a marker. There are things you cannot do. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I don't, I mean, I'm saying this, I'm not trying to judge anyone. I remember doing a traditional marriage. <laughs> this is where they got the DJ from. As we were about marching out. The man wanted to impress us and played one music. So I stopped. So, my sister-in-law now went to tell him that ah, the man is a pastor. He said, hey, that he knows that he has a... That, that. I, I, I'm not marching. They said, what? I, I can't match to that. It's just, it's just music. No, no, no. And my wife knows. He just told them, say, you see, here. as you stand there, so you won't move. <laughs> they have to change it. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm the one paying you. It is my marriage. Your madness can, it should have boundary. You can't carry demons into what I'm doing. Do you understand this? I don't care if it's what's popular. Do I tell you I'm looking, I'm not contesting who are the best. You don't, you, it is my space. <laughs> I went for an angel meeting, they paid me one roommate. And the man said, uh, that how, will he, how, will he, how is it going to be? I said, what is it going to be? Ah, that this night we need to buy something. I said, no. If you are going to do this, you will do it outside. This room belongs to two of us. He said, ah, but they have paid me with other Christians before. I said, there are other Christians. This one is different. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because as salt, you have to preserve. There are family meetings they can't call me for. There are things they are doing. They will just say, you know what, let, let, let them go. You know him. It saves me. If not one day, they will call you to pour drinks for the gods. You will be surprised. They just say, hold the drink. Say, pour and there. He say, pour the thing. You let, let's finish meeting. Before you know, you will be the one to pour. You now say, let's finish. At the end of the day, he say, it's not it's to be all men. I want to please all men to be all men. I mean, what, what nonsense. Why did Jesus come? Why are we saved? Why do we make it look like if we're Christians, we're missing out something? People in darkness, we envy them like they're enjoying life. You know, for some of us, it, the Christianity is like a restraining factor. It's, it, I, I, if I was not born, I, I know what, I! <laughs> it's like, ah, why did I get born again? Who preached to me? Who is that? If I catch that man, I got me born again. And so we're looking for how close, how much can we get so close to the world and still make the rapture? Hmm? You know, if heaven is God's ultimate goal for us, he will send all of us there once. Because it even looks more like the more he's wasting time, the more he's losing more people. 
His goal for you is that you be salt. That through your life, others will say he's a Christian. Not through your church sticker. You know, that's why I don't do church stickers. Have you observed that we don't have church stickers? Because you can have a church sticker and be an embarrassment to the local church. And you can even use it to boast. So I'm a member of this commission. And in this commission, we keep people for a living. This <laughs> is some people with big stickers. Eh? And the way they react in the traffic, you will know that these are not disciples. God, God punish you there. And he, back of his car, join me. I'm a conqueror. KDCC Church. <laughs> I hear what I'm saying. I hear this, sir. Because that's what discipleship is. Do you understand this? Discipleship is not how dressed we are on Sunday. All of us here are perfect now. Everybody here is sane. Everybody here is all oh, walking love. Step on anybody's toe here and say, Oh, no, no. I just like people stepping on my toes. Praise God. Step on them outside there. They'll check if the gate is locked. Check if Pastor is in the office. Be, you be careful. <laughs> Don't think because we are in the same church, we are mates. Discipleship would flow in every area of your life. Whether in the market, whether at work, whether at shop. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not performance. It's a life. You're not performing. That has become your life. So Jesus said, it is useless either for the soil or for manual It is thrown out. He said, he who has ears, let him do what? Hear. Alright. Luke 9.23. Let's go to Luke 9.23 now. Are you learning something this morning? Glory to God. Don't worry, we are all on our way to becoming disciples. <laughs> uh, Luke 9.23. Somebody say, how can you now live this life? That's why the Holy Ghost is in us. To give us grace. 23-24. And he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily. This is what I like. Daily. This is a daily task. Praise God. Luke 9, 20, 23. And he was saying to them all, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Verse 24. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and forfeits his own soul? Lose himself. All we want is to gain the world. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All we want is to gain the world. You know, I was saying the other day, you know, in early days, when you met your brother, you asked, what is God saying? What, what, what are you studying right now? What, 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 what's God saying to you in your spirit? Right now, you meet your brother, what are you asking? How far? What's going on? Has that investment yielded? Have you bought that car? Everything is about this life, this life, this life, this life, this life, this life. <laughs> huh? Even when you don't see people in church, you're not concerned. Ah, you're not in church. What happened? Praise God. <laughs> Glory to God. The soul of men must begin to concern us. How we manage to have friends who are unbelievers and not born again, and they are still our best friend, is still one mystery I've not been able to resolve. I, I really don't get it. So what do you discuss? Everything else except the gospel. 
And you know why? I'm going to talk about that when we start our soul winning campaign. You know why it's like that? We want people that we can be comfortable with in our carnality that will not judge us. And you know the funny thing? We are actually preventing those people from accepting the Lord. We are actually preventing them because they see that you go to church but you do everything with them that they are doing. So the question is, why should I join you? Because if I join you, I will still continue this life. So what, what's the need? Are you following what? So what's the need? Praise God. This discipleship is a tough ask. I mean, we've got to be ready for it. It's a tough ask. It's not, it's not, it's not easy. It's a tough ask. The Lord will cause you to walk away from things. Walk away from places. Share the story with you of when we went for an NGO meeting and everything and people were faking receipt to get money and everything. <laughs> I, I mean, I didn't do that. Do you think it was not painful? It was painful. Because when we were coming back, guys bought stuff. I mean, guys made 60000 70000 way back then. I mean, I came back with nothing. But only with the fear of God. I know you can't use the fear of God to buy anything in the market. I just got married then. We just had carries. In fact, I was away when we had carries, so I was coming back. In fact, in that, that, on the flight, I almost shed tears because I was like, ah, God. It was like I lost. Because we have always taught people that when they walk in righteousness, they will gain. We need to balance that. Sometimes, righteousness will make you lose your job. You will gain. But let's stop teaching people about immediate gratification. There were people who followed God and ended up in prison. Like Joseph. You know, the part of Joseph's story we like is the prime minister part. Because of our flesh again. Eh? We don't like the part where he says, no, I fear God. There was no cell leader. There was no pastor. There was no scriptures. Joseph did not have Bible to read about Joseph. So it's not like we have read about Joseph. So we know what Joseph... No. Joseph had nothing. It was just the laws that his father told him. That that boy used in a strange land. And you know, there are people who want to go to school far away so that there will be nobody on there. They say, Where do you want to go to school? I want to go to Ibadan. <laughs> it's not that they, they like, they just want to run far away where nobody knows them so they can explore life. Are you hearing this? <laughs> who taught Timothy? Grandmother taught his mother. His mother taught Timothy. Say that genuine faith that was in your grandmother, that was in your mother, that was not in you. Intentionally, one woman passed faith in two generations. Woman passed faith in two generations. And that's how Paul was able to find Timothy and mentor Timothy. What Paul did in Timothy's life was possible because Timothy's mother and grandmother had worked on their life. That's how Christianity is passed. Christianity is not passed essentially through a Sunday morning teaching. It's passed at the home level. So if you're not a disciple at home, you cannot raise because we cannot do for your children in one hour what you're supposed to do for them in a lifetime. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's 24. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. John 8, 31 to 32. Let me see I can begin to wrap this up. John 8, 31 to 32. So Jesus was saying to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, continually obeying my teachings and living in accordance with them. I'm reading the Amplified Version. 
No, John 8, 31. John 8, 31. So Jesus said to those who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, hold fast to my teachings and live in accordance with them. You are truly my disciples. So Jesus defined the disciples here. What did he say to the disciples? Whoa, hold fast to my teachings, not your feelings, his teachings. And live in accordance with that. You are truly what? My disciples. And you will know the truth regarding salvation. And the truth will set you free. So when we quote that scripture, you will know the truth. The truth will set you free. He was actually talking about the concept of discipleship. Because it is as you continually follow the Lord daily, He will begin to open up truths to you. Praise God. Come on, I said praise God. So, you have to follow the Lord daily. Luke, Luke 9, 23, we've read that before. If anyone will come after me, must deny himself. Deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. I want us to explore this concept. Go back home. Take all the scripture that talked about discipleship. The denial of self. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 26. I need to finish this. Hebrews eleven twenty-six. God has called us to be disciples. It will not be convenient. 11.26 Let's look at 24 I'm going, to teach, I'm going to teach this Faith to refuse But let's look at verse 24 Hebrews 24 Back to the New American Standard Bible By faith Moses when he had grown up Refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter Look at what he used his faith for Choosing rather to enjoy ill treatment With the people of God Than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin Look at what he chose he chose ill treatment. We're talking about discipleship. He chose ill treatment. That is, how does this work? Look at the next one. Considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. That, this is what struck me. He says, the reproach of Christ, and, and I need to follow this, everybody pay attention to this now. He says, the reproach of Christ, he considered it greater than the treasures of Egypt. Now, when he talked about the treasures of Egypt here, as of the time Moses left Egypt, Egypt was the peak of civilization. It's like saying, somebody chose the reproach of Christ greater than the riches of America. Let's, let's skip the assumption that America is the world superpower. Who does that choice? This is discipleship. Because sometimes the Lord will call you to choose lower things than high things that people are going after. Look at us. Chose the reproach of Christ. Chose the shame of Christ. And that's what we don't want. We don't want, it's almost like being Christians make us ashamed. We're ashamed of Jesus. That's discipleship. Is embracing the Lord. It's embracing the Lord. Look at this. Let's go to Acts 5. Let me show you what some people did as disciples of Christ. Acts 5.40. Remember we talked about uh, Acts 5.40. Acts chapter 5 verse 40. Hmm? 40 to 42. Acts 5. 40 to 42. Thank you Lord. Acts 5, 40 to 42. They took his advice. That was um, Gamaliel who, who, who advised them not to touch the people. So they took his advice. And after calling the apostles in, look at this, they flogged them. 
hmm? and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and then they released them. They called the apostles together, right? And then they flogged them. And says, don't speak in the name of Jesus anymore. They flogged them. Verse 41, look at this. So they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing. Rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. How many of us think, including me that's preaching, that if they gather all of us today, right? And they take us somewhere, take us to the chief's council, and flog all of us. <laughs> Literally flog all of us at the chief's court. How many of you will come out rejoicing? <laughs> you see the way some people do? They don't want to imagine the example. How many of you think you come out rejoicing? Oh, thank you, Lord. I, I, thank you, Father. I, I, oh, I consider it worthy to, to suffer for your name. No. He said, they say, COVID, people should stay at home. They say, church together, church together. You see what our garden have cost us now? No, but look at how people rejoice that days. They were flogged. And they say, don't preach anymore. And they say, thank you, Lord, that we, we would suffer this for your name's sake. They rejoice. Our car doesn't start, we are upset. There's no light, we are upset. We grumble. Uh, salary is supposed to come on the 23rd. It came on the 25th, we are angry. You go home, there's things in your fridge are bad. You don't, you don't see the things that take our anger. We are not even talking about flogging. Look at the things that make us depressed. Look at what steals our joy. See, and every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. You know what they did? They doubled the dosage. They kept preaching. Go to Revelation 12, 11. Revelation 12, 11. Thank you, Lord. Let's read verse 10. Revelation 12, verse 10. Then I had a loud voice in heaven saying, so follow this now. We're going to that testimony scripture. Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren. Who is the accuser of the brethren? Satan. For the accuser of the brethren has been thrown down. He who accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him. What's the him here? Satan. So when he was talking about this scripture, he was talking about how the saints during the second period of tribulation overcame Satan. It says, and they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb. That is the cross, resurrection. And because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced to death. Now, what happened? The blood of the Matthias gave testimony and credence to the resurrection of Jesus. So I'll give you an example. There was a, 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 a saint by the name of Polycap. His name was Polycap. His name was Polycap. And uh, he was an old man. Polycap was an old man. He says they overcame him, devil, but because of the blood of a lamb and because of the word of his testimony. So Polycap was an old man, 86 years old. When they wanted to come and arrest him, they brought some young men to arrest him. And you know what happened? Polycap could have taken off. He didn't. He stayed. 
He served them drinks. He said, give me some time to pray before you arrest me. This was during the persecution. So, he, he began to pray. And uh, he prayed for an hour and prayed for two hours. This was somebody they wanted to go and kill. And then they took him. And they gave him an opportunity to renounce Christ. And he said this. 86 years I've served him. And he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king and my savior? And they put him. They wanted to nail him so they can light fire on him. He says, no. There's no need. He will not struggle to come out. And they lit the fire on this old man. And flames engulfed him. He prayed forgiveness for those who were persecuting him. And that's how Polycarp died. Out of that, a lot more people believed the gospel. That is the word of testimony. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I can share stories of persecution with you. Of people who have been resolute to hold their testimony. And out of that out of that being resolute people gave their lives to Christ and so they overcame the accuser of the brethren. The God of this world that has blinded their minds through that action. There are people who will come to Christ when you start living as a disciple of Jesus. When they see your life. When they see your commitment. When they see how you're burning for God. I say this with all the humility I can muster in this world. The one thing that I pray in my life and that I will never, never get to. Everyone who knew me in school and sees me today, they say the same thing. Your passion has never gone off. Your fire has never gone off. Your desire has never gone off. There's nobody who knows me way back and say, ah, you used to try. God forbid. Not me. There's no use to in my Christian work. There's no time I used to... No, 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 no. How did John... How did Jesus introduce John? He says he was a burning and a shining light. No, he burnt. He was a burning and a shining light. I want to challenge you today. This goes beyond church. It goes beyond which church you're attending. It goes beyond who is your pastor. I didn't die for you, Jesus did. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It goes beyond we're in a great church. Polycarp says, I cannot blaspheme for the Lord. How do you cook for those who came to arrest you? How do you give them drinks and say, let me pray? And spend two hours praying, knowing that the next moment you're going to die. The Christians of old, the Roman Emperor Nero, would bring them to stadiums. Right? And release hungry lions. And throw Christians there, gradually. Gradually, ask them, will you renounce your faith? And they wouldn't. And they would plunge into that thing and plunge into that thing and plunge into that thing. That's how Christianity came to us. It didn't come to us on a platter of comfort. I'll say this. For Christianity to move from our generation to the next generation, we cannot hand over what we have right now. We must show something authentic. We must give something real. Because our children... Our children are facing it. 
You can't turn anywhere in the internet now without seeing something that would almost blind your eyes. Hmm? You know what's going on right now with birthday pictures, right? People almost going naked. So thank God for another year. Hmm? We're getting there. I told my wife yesterday, we love America so much. We love US so much because anything that is white is right. And gradually, we're infiltrating. They're infiltrating the culture. A man said, sell you a one-minute advert, you buy a product. A one-hour movie, you buy a lifestyle. And what we're beginning to enter into is that we're raising a generation of young people who are atheists, who don't believe in God. Who would question God. Who would question the faith. It looks like, yeah, this generation is sharp. But go to Europe. I talk, I talk a lot about the Wales Reviver, Ivan Roberts. Go to Wales today. Go to England. The churches in England, some of them have been turned to museums. Some have been bought by mosques. Some are pubs, drinking pubs and bars. We can't drop the touch. We can't drop the button. There must be a generation that rises up and contends for the faith that was once delivered. And say in our time and in our life, we will be committed to passing on authentic faith. I say this with all of my heart. I don't care about fame. I don't care about popularity. Really none of those things move me. If there's one satisfaction in my heart and one desire in my heart, is that on the last day of my life, I'll look back and say I handed over the faith. I did the best I could with the word of God. Whether I'm rich or not, doesn't count. I don't even care. Whether people know me or not, I don't even care. That's not the goal. We can't make ourselves known and put Jesus behind. That's not why we are here. Brother Hagen said in a camp meeting, the move of the Spirit will be lost to a generation if they are not taught and walked into it. At the age of 16, 17, I was already operating in the word of knowledge. Already knowing things that would happen. I wasn't a pastor. I was taught it. Gifts of the Spirit flowed. It wasn't something to be you're a big man of God about. These are normal gifts for the believers. Normal gift for the believers. We casted out demons in secondary school because we had people who discipled us. That was our passion. Today in secondary school, dominant conversation is boyfriend and girlfriend. Teenage pregnancy everywhere. Sex everywhere. And we can't close our eyes and say we're rich. We're almost like that church that says we're rich and have need of nothing. And God says you're naked, you're miserable. Look at the things we contend for. Adultery is no, not a big issue anymore. Side chick. You will even have a brother in, in church encouraging you. Why don't you have a boyfriend? Hmm? Why, why are you still single? What are you keeping yourself for? How will you know the person you want to marry is pregnant? And this is a brother. Philip was a deacon. Persecution came. He went to Samaria, preached Christ to them. Rot the whole city. It was not ordained. The person who God told Saul to go and meet was a certain disciple named Ananias, not the church father. He said, go. And God spoke to Ananias and said, Saul has been converted. His eyes was blind for three days. Ananias opened the eyes of Saul. We're going to talk about that on Wednesday. That disciples were designed to heal the sick. It's not about a healing ministry. Every child of God 
has been commissioned to heal the sick. You should see the sick healed. It's not about running to one man somewhere. Or this man has special powers. The blood of Jesus was shed for all of us to walk in the miraculous. Saints, this thing needs to be recovered. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This thing needs to be recovered. And I want to urge you to commit to the path of discipleship. It's a tough ask. But let's do it. Let's do it. For the sake of our children. We can't hand this over to them. No, we can't. No, we can't. No, 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 we can't. This is not what was given to us. This is not the dedication. We have people in church today who were former Muslims and gave their life to Christ. This is not why they gave their life to Christ. They didn't give their life to Christ because they were poor. After all, one of the richest men in Africa is Dangote. He's not a born-again believer. So why would you tell him that giving his life to Christ will make him richer? Well, he doesn't need that if that's it. There's fundamentally something about salvation that we need to recover. I want to beg you. Commit to the path of discipleship. It's not about this church. It's not about who your pastor is. This is something about you and Jesus. And radically altering your choice. Are you following what I'm saying this morning? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to hear, to receive. Lord, we commit our lives to you. That you would help us to flow. In that which you require of us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Alright, uh, while we get our offerings... Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.